Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. About 10 years ago, I took my brother and friend with my two dogs quail hunting and found a trail leading from the desert up into a feeder canyon in the southern Sierra Nevada. I parked the truck at the trailhead, and there were a couple of run-down abandoned cabins on either side of the trail. We were all strapped with handguns, and we announced ourselves and approached the cabins. One of them had a real cool old attachment shack made of rocks against the slope of the hill. 
None of us got any bad vibes, and the dogs were fine, so we split up and started hunting. Now, at one point, I started chasing a covey away from the cabins in the direction that we came, and I noticed in my peripheral vision a man with crossed arms off my left about forty yards away. And when I did a double-take, all I saw was a Joshua tree in that same spot. So I kept after me dogs and birds, and I again felt someone looking at me from a different spot, but on the same side of the mountain. And again, when I turned, it was Joshua Tree. The real strange thing is that later that morning I went hunting past the cabins into the canyon, and my brother was on the slope about 150 feet above me, looking for Chukar. He later told me that when he saw me by the creek thicket, below him a gray mist cloud moved down the canyon and went over me and my dogs between him and me. And he said that made him feel real uneasy. Nothing else happened on the trip, but if I believed in ghosts, I would say that some miner is guarding his stash up there. I've tried to go back to that spot over the years, but the wife and kids get mad and have said that I'm going to bring back some bad mojo. If I go, so I let it be. Every summer on the way to Bishop, I look off towards the Sierras and see the haunted canyon far off in the distance. This was told to me by one of the guys who had the encounter. He and his hunting partner were hunting somewhere in Utah. I'm being vague because I remember exactly where and I'm sworn to secrecy, so no identifying info. They were on horses in the middle of nowhere in a large, blind canyon. One way in, one way out. Lots of deadfall took most of the day on horseback to get in. So to set the scene, middle of nowhere and tough country, they come upon a guy dressed in 1950s hunting apparel standing in the middle of a deadfall that no one had any business standing in. They had rode in from the bottom and did not see any traces. They approached to make themselves friendly. Horses want nothing to do with this guy's. An air of tension is casting a pall on this whole interaction. The guy is nice enough, except for the fact that he had red eyes. Not pothead, ripped out of his mind red, glowing red eyes. Yep, red flannel in the middle of nowhere and glowing red eyes. They took their leave, both nervous. My buddy looked back at the guy, gone. Nowhere to go, but he was not there. My friend has only told this to a couple of people. I know it's a little anticlimactic, but at the time it scared the crap out of two grown men with rifles. Glowing red-eyed dude had no rifle. My friend is sure that he met the devil himself that day. They have never been back. Hunting about 10 miles into a trail in central California near Santa Barbara for deer. 
It's the last morning as we are out of water, and I'm tired of boiling and drinking warm water from a little spring. Didn't have a filter, but wish I did. Watched a small buck walk up a hill and disappear into the brush. Few seconds later, heard the most shrilling and blood-curling scream I ever heard. Looked at my friends, and they were wide-eyed, too. Sounded like a banshee or women being stabbed. Concluded it was probably a weird bird sound and proceeded to take off running towards where I saw the buck disappear. In hopes of relocating it and confirming it was too small to legally take. Right where the scream came from. Found nothing and called it quits and hiked out of there. In my city, there's this old mansion surrounded by acres of land, which is also a park. Out in the country, the frontage road, main road, is lined with tall palm trees for several miles, but it's all flatlands from the mansion to a main highway intersection, about 15 miles. There's stories of the mansion and surrounding area being haunted, so a group of us would go out there late at night just to see if we'd see anything. So one night a bunch of us with nothing better to do go out there and drive around the park. After a while of not seeing anything, we decide to head down towards the highway. Now it's late at night in the country. And no one is on the road when all of a sudden it appears there's a car coming towards us in the opposite direction. It's not the headlights that we see, but the glare of the headlights. Like the top of the lights as if it were to come up from hell. Best way to describe it. Anyways, I turned down my high beams because I don't want to blind the other driver when we all notice the car isn't coming closer approaching us. Since I'm driving, I'm thinking... Weird. So I speed up, thinking the oncoming car will be visible. Again, this is a flat road. There's no hills. So I'm getting a little nervous that this car's headlights has not come into view. The other thing, no matter how fast or slow I was driving, that light kept the same distance, never getting any closer or farther. I'm getting a little freaked out and, and still driving fast, like six to seventy miles per hour, and we're still just seeing the top of what should have been headlights. After about maybe 10 minutes, the light disappears, so we think the wheel catch up to what we think is a parked car. But no, nothing. We reached the intersection for the highway, and there was no car or anything. That road is a two-way road with grape fields on both sides, so there's no way it could have pulled off to the side. We drove back down that road to head back towards the mansion and to the city. But those car lights never appeared, and we never figured out what it was. One day, while I was working as a park ranger in the Gila National Forest, I received a report of a possible Bigfoot sighting in the area where the couple had camped. 
I decided to investigate. I arrived at the location and met with the couple who were still shaken up by their experience. They told me about the tree knock they had heard and how they had felt uneasy for the rest of the night. I listened intently and asked them to show me exactly where they had camped and where they had heard the noise. As we walked through the woods, I noticed that the area had thick vegetation and a lot of animal tracks. But there were no signs of any recent human activity. We reached the spot where they had camped and I examined the area for any unusual sign. I noticed a few broken branches and small footprints that could have belonged to a bear or a large animal, but nothing conclusive. I decided to stay in the area overnight to see if I could observe anything unusual. As night fell, I set up a camera and sat quietly listening for any noises. The woods were quiet, with only the occasional hoot of an owl or rustling of leaves. As I sat there, I thought about the stories I had heard of Bigfoot sightings and wondered if there was any truth to them. Suddenly, I heard a loud crashing noise in the distance, followed by a series of deep, guttural grunts. I quickly grabbed my flashlight and camera and started to make my way towards the noise. As I approached, I could see a large, dark figure moving through the trees. I tried to get closer, but the figure quickly disappeared into the underbrush. The next morning, I examined the footage from my camera and was surprised to see a blurry figure moving through the trees. While it wasn't conclusive evidence of Bigfoot, it did leave me with more questions than answers. I returned to the couple and showed them the footage, and they were amazed and frightened at the same time. In the end, I couldn't say for sure what the couple had experienced, but I did know that there was something strange going on in the Gila National Forest. Growing up, I had always been captivated by the strange and mysterious stories my family would share during gatherings. One story in particular that my grandfather would often tell was about an eerie encounter my great-grandfather had many years ago. My great-grandfather used to ride a tonga, a horse-drawn carriage for his daily commute. One evening, as he was passing through a dense forest, he noticed a beautiful kid, baby goat, standing all alone by the side of the road. Its innocent appearance tugged at his heartstrings, and he decided to take it home and adopt it, thinking that it was abandoned. He stopped the tonga, got down, and gently picked up the little goat. As he settled back into the carriage with the kid in his arms, the horse suddenly began to freak out, as if it sensed something unnatural. Confused and concerned, my great-grandfather looked down at the baby goat, only to find that it had grown abnormally large legs, disproportionate even for a full-grown goat. Fear coursed through him, and he hastily threw the creature out of the carriage urging the horse to bolt away from the spot as fast as it could. 
He never looked back, and the chilling encounter remained a mystery that haunted him for the rest of his life. What's interesting is that both my great-grandfather's experience and the story of the faceless creature I had encountered seemed to share a common thread. The interaction with an otherworldly being that revealed its true nature as if to remind us that there are things in this world that we may never fully comprehend. In both instances, there was a moment of realization that what we initially believed to be a harmless, familiar sight was actually something far more sinister and unknown. It's a stark reminder that there's a thin line between the world we know and the mysteries that lurk just beyond our understanding. And sometimes, when we least expect it, we may catch a glimpse of the inexplicable. Quite a few years ago, I drove a taxi to have some kind of income. One night after the pubs had closed, I had delivered a dude far out on the countryside and was on my way back towards the city again when I came to an area mostly covered by acres for farming where there are no street lights at all. So my car's headlights were the only light source while following a somewhat twisty road. Then I came to a short downhill section that turned into a left turn where the road straightens out after the turn. I had driven this stretch of road many times before, but when I was driving downhill and turned into the left, my headlights lit up four persons out on the field dressed in white, hooded robes with a lot of dangling things on them. They all turned their attention towards me and their eyes all lit up in a bright yellowish color. This freaked me the fout. So I stepped on the pedal and just noped the fout to there. I have no idea what that actually was. To me it seemed like some cult stuff. But that does not explain their glowing yellow eyes. Nobody I have asked about it later on have never seen anything like it, and there isn't supposed to be any kind of cult in town at all. Not sure if it's a thing out on Norwegian countryside, though. So I like to go to cemeteries and walk around while doing so, I always record with my iPhone and my digital voice recorder. I find it interesting to see the different styles and types of headstones as well as the ages of the deceased, and at times when I review my recordings and get EVPs, this time was no different than any others. This cemetery is from the early 1800s and sites on the top of a hill. One side is overlooking a man-made lake so there's plenty of water to help add to the energy if you believe that it does or can. So last night I start to review my audio recording. It didn't take long before the first ep showed up. A faint but clear whisper of help. In a male voice, then, as I am narrating about where the cemetery is located, and that when it was started there was no lake there yet, just a valley, 
another faint ep that says, Look, followed a few seconds later by a male voice saying, Don't look, both of these are in different tones. Then say out loud, here's a Civil War veteran. He lived until 1933. He was in the Army. I say that I was in the Army, too. Thank you for your service. And as I walk on, I get comeback soldier, which made the hairs stand up on me. Now the sound of a small plane flying overhead is heard, and I get this event in a male voice that says plane. Now I know that I have a definite intelligent spirit with me. Then I come to this smaller headstone of a nine-year-old girl I will call Clarissa. On the top above her name was the picture of a stork flying and carrying a baby. I found it very sad, the pain that these parents must have went through. I am a father of six, all grown now, but that has always been my worst fear, to lose a child. But as I am describing her headstone and age, I say hello to her. Then in a female tone I get this up. Leave here in a split second later. Another one in a male voice, dickhead. Maybe the mother and the father? Then I come to another Civil War veteran. I will call Benjamin Suttles, who served with Company D, 4th Ohio Cavalry. As soon as I said his name, there was a male voice that clearly says it was the war. Then over the course of the next three minutes, 25 seconds, I hear my name. Clinton said in the same voice four times. With a forceful whisper of listen thrown in one time and the same male tone of voice. At the end, I get out of the car to open the gate to leave, and as I am opening the gate... It's inside the car still recording, and I get what sounds like a couple of hideous-sounding growls. Now, before someone says, Well, you're near a lake, so it's probably voices of people out in boats and such, that is not the case. The temperature when I was there was mid-forties with a stiff breeze and a wind chill in lower forties to upper thirties. There were no boats out on the lake. And there is nowhere, close to there, to fish from the bank, and no parking areas near me. One side of the cemetery is the lake. The rest is all wooded except for the narrow one-lane road, which is not used much until summer, and the sun had already set and was almost complete darkness. As I said, I use my iPhone for my video, and I use my old Sony Ike voice recorder. It's old as dirt, basically, but it is very sensitive and reliable. Only downfall is that there is no card to save it onto, so I log everything on paper when I review it. I go to a large number of cemeteries to do this. I don't do what everyone calls each sessions. I just record as I walk around and talk or ask questions. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. An incident at a cemetery very close to my home in 2019 got me to doing this. I have gotten some things that sound absolutely horrific and or demonic pleas for help and even threats of bodily harm. I have been called by my childhood nickname numerous times, and they even told me of my father's upcoming death. It wasn't 100% accurate, but it was so close that I can't ignore it. I am still somewhat skeptical, but that is slowly wearing off. This stuff is out there, and it is very real. Too real sometimes. I've always loved hunting and being out in the wilderness. There's something about the solitude and raw beauty of nature that just calls to me. But my last trip to the New Mexico border for deer hunting was different from any other trip I've taken. I'd seen numerous drug smugglers and their spotters throughout my days in the wilderness. It was a stark reminder of the dangers that lurk in these remote areas. But it was one particular night that still sends shivers down my spine. I was sitting in my teapot enjoying my dinner and reflecting on the craziness I had seen over the past few days. Suddenly I heard a heavy sniffing pattern outside the tippy. It was as if something was trying to smell my dinner and it was going to town doing it. I froze mid-bite and listened to the sound for a few minutes. Then I decided to growl at whatever was outside. I wasn't sure what it was, but I knew it wasn't a hungry drug smuggler. My mind raced and I wondered if it could be a mountain lion. But the huffing was too loud, so I figured it was just some javelina since their tracks were everywhere. Despite my attempts to rationalize the situation, I couldn't shake off the feeling of unease. The fact that I was in a small teepee in the middle of nowhere with something sniffing around outside was a scary thought. I tried to ignore it, but the feeling of being watched lingered on. I love the feeling of being out in the wild, but this experience made me realize the dangers that come with it. The remote wilderness is not only home to beautiful creatures, but also dangerous ones. My mind wandered back to the drug smugglers, and I realized that I didn't want any kind of encounter with people in these remote areas either. As I sat there, my mind racing with thoughts, I couldn't help but feel a sense of relief when the sniffing finally stopped. But the experience had left its mark on me, and I couldn't shake off the feeling of being hunted. I knew I needed to be more cautious and alert when I ventured out into the wilderness, and I made a mental note to always be prepared for anything that could happen. My friend and I used to go to South Padre Island every summer because his dad lived there. 
we were usually left to our own devices and would stay out late trying to pick up girls one night. We're walking home from the beach, and we both notice a light and a dock flicker on. There was a figure standing out there under the light. It was far enough away we couldn't make out details, but the water was really misty that night, and it seemed very eerie. We decided to pick up our pace and get home quickly. Just as we start walking briskly, the light we're under turns off. We sprint as fast as we can, and the lights kept turning off and then back on after we get past them. We made it home and both locked every door to the house we could find. I still have no idea what that was about, but I do know salt air causes havoc on electrical equipment. Maybe it was that. I lived in a small, but not terribly isolated, town in central Alabama. My family lived in a trailer park near a small patch of woods with a railroad track running through the middle. I was driving home one night late, maybe twelve, one in the morning. As I'm driving up to the tracks, preparing to stop, I see what I originally believed to be a big buck standing at the edge of the woods on the opposite side of the road near the stop sign at the train tracks. So as I come to a stop, I angle my car slightly so my headlights shine on him. I wanted to get a good look at him because he was massive and I wanted to count his points. As my headlights fall over him, I realize what I'm seeing is, in fact, not a buck, but what appears to be a huge wolf. And I got a great look at it. My headlights lit him up perfectly. He didn't run off or anything. He just stood there, not motionless like he was fake, which was my first thought, but holding his ground. After a few seconds, I just left. It terrified me. I know what I saw, and I know it was huge. I've seen lots of deer, and that is what it definitely wasn't, but I don't think there are wolves in Alabama. And besides, I know they're big, but I don't think they're that big. Never saw it again. Pretty sure no one believes me. I was by myself at my camp off of Cypermort Point, Louisiana. I was getting it ready for the upcoming summer season by giving it a good cleaning and making sure all the plumbing and electricity was working and getting my boat ready for a summer of fishing and skiing. That night, I was sitting out on the dock just drinking a beer and watching the moon, and there was three little lights that just appeared in the sky and seemed to move impossibly fast and change directions instantly. They traversed the entire skyline in a matter of seconds. If you have ever taken one of those tiny laser pins and swirled it across your ceiling, that's what it looked like. Only there was three of them. They were gone as soon as they appeared, but as soon as they disappeared, the weather changed and the water became crazy rough from out of a dead calm just a few minutes before. 
The wind got so strong that I had to go inside. I was staring out of the window over the water trying to wrap my head around what just happened and this boat appeared with no running lights and pulled into the jetty next to my camp and disappeared down the canal. I don't know if or of all those things are related, but it freaked me out a little. I tried to tell somebody about it when I got back home. The first person I told gave me the stupid look like I was crazy, and I haven't talked about it since. In the heart of the Appalachian Trails, I embarked on a solo hiking trip seeking solitude and connection with nature. The sun began its descent, casting long shadows through the dense forest. As I ventured deeper into the wilderness, an eerie feeling of isolation started to creep upon me. Suddenly, the tranquil surroundings turned into a nightmare as my eyes fell upon an unimaginable sight. Three mysterious creatures stood before me. The largest one, around seven to eight feet tall, was covered in a light beige, colored fur. Its massive frame obscured my view of the front of its hands, the bottoms of its feet, and even its eyes. It seemed preoccupied, reaching for something about fifteen feet off the ground. To my terror, just ten feet away stood a smaller version of the creature, approximately three feet high. It resembled the larger one covered in hair except for the front of its hands, the soles of its feet, and around its eyes. The little one was a darker beige color with hair that reached up to four inches in length. My heart pounded in my chest as I tried to comprehend the enigmatic scene unfolding before my eyes. Fear overwhelmed me but curiosity kept me rooted to the spot. I watched as the smaller creature bent over and picked up a stick, attempting to put it in its mouth. As I held my breath, the creature's sharp senses seemed to detect my presence. In an instant, they turned their attention toward me, and my heart sank as low growls escaped their throats. Panic surged through me, and I knew I had to escape before they got any closer. Without a moment's hesitation, I turned and ran as fast as my legs could carry me. The forest blurred around me, and I didn't dare look back. My mind raced, trying to make sense of what I had just witnessed. Were these creatures real? Or had the isolation of the trails played tricks on my mind? I ran for what felt like an eternity my fear fueling every step. Eventually, I stumbled upon a ranger station, and I rushed inside, gasping for breath and trying to compose myself. I recounted the nightmarish encounter to the ranger, but instead of sympathy or concern, he broke into mocking laughter. Bigfoot, huh? he said, his tone dripping with disbelief. You hikers always come up with the craziest stories. His lack of belief only heightened my sense of unease. 
I knew what I had seen was real, but with no one willing to believe me. Doubts crept into my mind. Was I losing my sanity, or had I truly stumbled upon something beyond the realm of human understanding? I had just finished up a long day of studying at the university library and was finally back home, ready to catch some rest. As I was getting into my bed, I heard something strange outside my house. At first, I thought it was just a group of teenagers partying down the street, but the sounds were too bizarre for that. I peered through my window and saw nothing but darkness. But the sounds continued, and they seemed to be getting closer. I grabbed a flashlight and stepped outside to investigate. As I walked down the driveway, I could hear the singing gibberish talking and laughter more clearly. It was coming from the nearby forest, and it sounded like it was moving further away from me as I approached. I'm a wildlife major, so I know the sounds of the local animals. This wasn't any of them. It sounded more like some kind of gathering or party, but I couldn't see anything through the thick trees. I walked deeper into the woods, the sounds getting louder and clearer with every step. It was like they were drawing me in. But the closer I got, the further away they seemed to be. It was like some kind of strange game. After what felt like hours of chasing the sounds, I realized that I had no idea where I was. The trees looked different, and the path I had taken seemed to have disappeared. Suddenly, the sounds stopped, and there was an eerie silence. I tried to turn back towards my house, but I couldn't find my way. I was lost in the dark with no sense of direction, and then I saw something moving in the distance. It was a figure, a silhouette against the trees. It was dancing, twirling around in circles and laughing in that strange gibberish language. I called out, asking for help, but the figure just kept dancing. It was like it didn't even hear me. It was almost as if it was taunting me, playing some kind of game. I stumbled backwards, trying to get away from the strange figure, but I couldn't. It was like I was trapped in some kind of nightmare. Finally, I fell backwards and hit my head on a rock. I must have blacked out, because when I woke up, I was back in my bed. I couldn't remember anything after hitting my head. But when I went through the pictures on my phone, I found several of myself sleeping inside my tent, and they were taken on the night of the strange sounds. I still had no idea what happened to me that night, but I know one thing for sure. I won't be venturing into the woods again anytime soon. I remember that night vividly even though I was asleep in the back seat of the car. My parents awoken me up in the middle of the night, telling me that we were going to drive out to a nearby field to look at the stars. I had protested at first, wanting to stay in bed and sleep, but my parents had insisted, 
saying that it was a rare opportunity to see the night sky in all its glory. We drove out to the field and my parents set up some chairs and a blanket while I dozed off in the car. I remember waking up briefly and seeing the vast expanse of the sky above me, filled with more stars than I had ever seen before. I was mesmerized for a few seconds, but quickly fell back asleep, feeling safe and secure in the warmth of the car. It wasn't until the next morning that my parents told me what had happened while I was sleeping. They said that while they were gazing up at the sky, they saw something strange. At first, they thought it was a shooting star, but as it got closer, they realized that it was something else entirely. They described it as a bright, glowing object that hovered silently in the sky for a few seconds, then suddenly shot away at incredible speed. They were both stunned and a little frightened by what they'd seen, but they didn't want to wake me up and scare me too. But that wasn't the end of the strange occurrences that night. As they were getting ready to leave the field and head back to the house, the car lights suddenly turned on and the doors unlocked themselves. My parents were taken aback by this and hesitated for a few moments before coming over to check on me. To their relief, I was still sound asleep in the back seat, completely unaware of the strange events that had unfolded around me. My parents quickly got into the car and drove back to the house, where they spent the rest of the night discussing what they had seen. It wasn't until years later that I realized just how strange and inexplicable that night had been. Even now, I can't explain what my parents saw or why the car acted so strangely. But I do know one thing for sure. That night, something mysterious and otherworldly happened, and it left a lasting impression on all of us who were there to witness it. I grew up in northern Ontario, and there's a story I remember when me and my cousin were out one night on our grandparents' tobacco farm. He was practicing driving as he had just turned 16 in his parents' pickup truck. Anyways, we were on a dirt road near the woods. It was very bumpy. I was looking out the passenger when, when I felt him slam on the brakes. That's when I saw it. It looked like a deer, but was a bit larger and so skinny that you could see its ribs. It was all white, and you could see through the high beams that its eyes were a glaring red like when you take a photo of someone with flash. It stood there and just stared at the truck. My cousin tried honking his horn, but it didn't move. It just kept staring at us. Eventually, he tried to reverse out of the steep dirt path without making us fall into the gully. I looked through the rearview mirror as we drove away, and it still had its eyes locked on the truck. As we got further away and up that damn hill, I heard a shriek like I've never heard before. I'm not saying it came from the deer, but it was something I can't even explain. 
almost like a bull if that makes any sense. Needless to say, we got the hell out of there and my cousin almost wrecked his tailgate hitting a pothole in the path. I know what it was. I would say an albino deer because it had antlers but it was just so creepy looking. Like an albino deer with glaring red eyes looked like it hadn't eaten in weeks and had an almost mangy posture and face. Not really scary, but creepy to me.